always say you can tell who your real friends are by A, knowing if you'd bring them to every single event. Bring them to a work party. Call your call friend party with your friends from college. But ultimately, who would you call if you were brought to jail late at night? You give them the phone call. They come through in the clutch. It's 10 o'clock. The Kraken are submitting their lists. There's probably rumors just buzzing around everywhere. CJ's phone is blowing up, and he still takes the phone call for a good show. What's up, buddy? I love you. Man, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a bind today. Like, I got one of these watches where like, things come to the watch. and like, It's literally buzzing yeah. as you're doing this intro. I'm trying hard to be focused. Like I, I'm like, it's just it, this is this is gonna be awesome. I love this, but it's this is gonna be like a week of just chaos. I think the league is this. The NHL doesn't have this too often. We've got a perfect storm of events, a perfect swirl of events, and I think we're gonna see tons of player movement. And uh, the rumor game is strong now. Thank you. Okay, because dude, I've been bored. I'm sorry. Other than the Carey Price thing, I've been bored. It's been pretty quiet all, all around, and I'm starting to get the fear of, are they not going to make trades the way that Vegas was? Like Vegas, it felt chaotic and hectic, and maybe it's just because I am remembering it differently because I've been through it before, but this felt so strange to me that nothing had really been done other than the signing of a backup goaltender out of Florida and a leak potentially of an Alex Kerfoot video. Like, you're anticipating now, now that these names go in, now that we're at this deadline, now that, you know, deadlines make deals, the 10 o'clock was coming around, that we're going to start to see action. Well, and I'm thinking, okay, so today's action because we're going to find out who they pick an expansion, and then tomorrow the roster freeze lifts, and I assume some of the players that are selected today will start to be traded immediately, and I also think other deals in the league will start to go through, and we've got free agency not even a week away, and, and there's some interesting stuff brewing there so i just think that it's going to be a, a bunch of movement in the, in the next week you know the one thing about seattle that i keep hearing though is they're off they're asking huge prices like i heard that they let teams know if they took alex Kalorn off of tampa it was going to be two first rounders to get him uh from seattle and so i'm let, but look at we all know how negotiations go um you know you might ask for something at the start hoping to the, the price comes down a bit and you're comfortable with the down a bit price. So, you know, they, they, they're not going to pick all players that they keep. I think that's pretty evident. You know, they don't really need 30 roster players. And, and I think that there's enough guys that were left unprotected that are real assets here that can get them draft picks and some of the things that we saw Vegas do. And so, yeah, I do think we're going to see a, a fair number of trades once we get through today because none of that gets processed today because of the way the, the rules work. Are you starting to get at least a bit of a feel for the sense of their direction? Because when they're saying that they covet things like cap space and they're willing to do things like that, it implies a certain level of patience. Um, I, I just I haven't been able to figure if this is something where it's just, hey, we're going to go in a variety of different directions, but this could be one of them, but this is why we're doing the cap space thing. Like, wh what is your read on that? Well, I think that what they want to avoid is just taking the best pure player from every team because – the way the teams did their protection list, that would mean taking on a lot of significant salary commitments. And, you know, that kind of, if they did that, I, I understand because it would neuter them of their advantage. I mean, their advantage is if they come out of this with a decent enough team and, and they're only say committed to 60 million or 62 million on the cap and they still have 20 million in space to 
to make other moves, to, to get involved in, in free agency, to, you know, to, to basically, you know, control moves that happen around the league where almost every team has to deal with them because they're, they're one of the only teams with money and cap space. Cause basically at this point, any team in the NHL that has cap space, it's usually because their owner doesn't have money and they don't have the ability to spend to the cap. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I think they're going to be prioritizing value and, and that means not just going and taking all of Jordan Everly, James Van Riemsdyk, Vladimir Tarasenko, Carey Price. I mean, um, you know, I, I think that you might see them take one out of that group, but, but you know, my sense is that they are going to stick pretty firm to not necessarily building the absolute best team for 2021-22, but to, to be in the position to, to grow and, and be a team that could win a Stanley Cup in three to five years. Yeah, um, I still see the major benefit for them being take some of these guys with the bigger contracts, eat some of the money, and flip them in secondary deals. Like, that seems to be the ultimate play if you can get it done. And that's the one where I look at the asking prices and say, okay, well, that makes sense to me. Like, um, one of the biggest justifications for the Carey Price idea is take them and then don't fill yourself up to the cap. And then if someone is interested in trading for Carey Price at a reduced cap hit, that feels like something that people would pay for. Same goes for JVR or Tarasenko, like those names that you listed, the – the ability to just take a couple, understand the value of who actually has the most if you can reduce the salary has to be massive for this team. So I, I totally understand like their abilities to just go in all these variety of different directions with the cap that this is going to be the ultimate thing. And it's why I've got to figure that – well, let me just ask you point blank. Do you think that Vegas's success – puts an added amount of pressure on Francis and his organization to come out and say, hey, we are going to be careful with our cap space, but also we can't just come out of the, the gate and be one of the worst teams in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, because there's no excuse for being the worst team in the NHL. I mean, these expansion draft rules, especially when we're talking about the good teams, like by their design, they're, they're going to end up with good players. I mean, you don't have to be a skilled GM to go through those lists and, and select, I think, at least a decent team, uh, you know, there's, there's always unknowns. You're bringing together a group of, of guys that, you know, haven't played together. So, so some things can go wrong, but just from a talent standpoint, they're going to have a good team. I, I think, you know, the, the Vegas, you know, every time I've heard Ron's friends to speak to reporters, you know, he's going out of his way to point out it's not Vegas. Like where it puts stress on is people are probably not, they're going to make the Stanley Cup final, but that they're going to be good really quickly. And, you know, I think that if you have a bit of time, you want to use it. If you if you have, like, they're going to have an engaged, excited fan base, you know, whether they win 30 games or 50 games. Uh, and so I think that as much as it would be nice to win 50 games out of the gate, you know, let's let's adjust the bar from there because the smartest thing they can do is what you're talking about is is turn these players into future assets, you know, prioritize a few guys that, that you think will be there long term. But, you know, I think a lot of guys, if you do this the right way, a lot of players that start playing with the Kraken are playing their one, two, maybe three years. And the real team is the one you build that comes behind it with all those assets that you're able to, to stockpile. So, you know, it's it's an exercise in, in um, it, how do you put it? You, you don't want you, you don't want to get ahead of yourself. And I think that that, you know, it's it's about self-control here because you look at those lists and. It'd be easy to talk yourself into, you know, picking a really good team that's that's going to try to win next year. But I don't, I don't think that that's what Ron Francis is going to do. I think he's got a plan that, that's a little different from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's probably. And again, it's it's my belief is that that is the smarter way. And it would be hard for me to say, like, listen, the Vegas thing. While you might be able to replicate it to a certain extent, like that's 
yeah, that's just not the more likely path, I would say, to, to winning this thing. So just a quick aside here before we get into some of the other stuff. You are one of the biggest insiders in the game. I was talking about this in the last block, how we got the Kerfoot leak in about the weirdest way possible, but you're going to start to hear things throughout the day. And this happens with the drafts every year where the insiders get the picks and they start announcing the picks and you go, oh, okay, this draft isn't very fun then because you guys all have them and we're announcing them. How is it going to look, do you think, this year in terms of keeping these names locked up until 8 p.m.? Like it just it feels in this era that that's going to be an impossibility, or that you're being put in these horrible positions where you're like, I got this, I got to go with it, this is my job, versus what we end up getting on a television product that is actually for Sportsnet. How is this working? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I've had the same sort of mental wrestling match myself. Um, mm. You know, I think ultimately what I've landed on, while it might not be fun, is that it's my job to tell you things you don't know, presumably before you've heard them somewhere else. And right. so, you know, I, I, I think for sure they're not going to be able to keep it all secret. I mean, that much is, is obvious. Um, you know, once the, the picks just went in, right, as we started our, 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 our segment here. And so, you know, the next thing that happens is the players that have been picked, you know, start to find out. And, you know, some of those guys might keep it really locked down in their own circles. And, and maybe just they and their agent know for the day and they try to keep it a secret. I think others you know, are going to tell their former teammates, they're going to, you know, their agent's going to tell someone else, is going to tell someone else. I mean, hockey is the world's smallest town, I'll tell you that much. I mean, we can never be too honest about how we find out a lot of things, but I'll tell you this, it's not always in the in the way that you would probably guess from the outside. I mean, there's, you know, word, word circulates. It doesn't always come, you know, directly from the GM telling you something or the agent telling you something or the player himself telling you something. And so, you know, I think it's inevitable some of this will come out. If I find anything out that's that I know is true is a hundred percent reputable. I'll, I'll report it. I think it's my job to do so. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's not all going to be spoiled that much. You know, I, I don't remember Vegas all being spoiled. I mean, we knew Mark Andre Fleury was going to be a golden Knight uh, prior to that happening. He even flew into Vegas, but, and a few other players, but you know, for the, the most part, there were some surprises there. And I think there'll be still some surprises left at eight o'clock Eastern tonight. Yeah, I think so too. And um, to me, it's actually the perfect balance because if you just really want to watch it on television, then just watch it on television. You actually have a pretty easy choice. Turn off notifications on your phone. Don't go on Twitter. (laughs) Get your news from other sites and just wait. Wait until 8. It's really not that far away. So yeah, I think you you got to do your job. It's just weird because I know that people are going to blame you for spoiling stuff if you you put it out there. Um, Yeah, and I want people to have fun too. Like I like the entertainment side of hockey. Like that's why I'm actually mildly conflicted about it like i was thinking in my mind like how hard am i going to chase this stuff if you know what i'm saying like am i going to actively try to uncover all those stones probably not it might be like a half speed and if things come my way well then i can't ignore them um but you know i I do want it to be fun and it's gonna look at people are gonna watch it on our channel too i know where i work listen buddy you love hockey that's very clear you're a real passionate fan of the game and it's why you got into this business and it bleeds into your work so i i had no doubts that you would consider something like that so what's your read on the kerfoot fish thing the leak um because there's the second part of the story that gets revealed after i get off the air yesterday is that the guy who leaked the video sent the crack in a dm asking for a jersey and if they had sent him a jersey he wouldn't have leaked it and he has this whole story about how he stood there for hours and they didn't announce other names is alex kerfoot the pick He's got to be the pick, you know. As much as yeah. I want to, I want to shroud this in secrecy and buy in that they taped, you know, eleven takes with every possible Leafs player. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, I, I think I, I think I think unfortunately, the, I mean, again, just for the surprise factor, I think that that what happened there is, you know, going back months, I heard that that Alex Kerfoot was going to be their pick. To be honest, like I think that Seattle has targeted him for some time. You know, obviously they do their mock drafts. They, it was fairly evident that that he was a vulnerable player that would be exposed, especially if the Leafs chose to to protect four defensemen, which they ultimately did. And so, you know, I think that they've had their mindset on him. You know, it'd be, it'll be interesting to hear maybe once some time passes what went on with this Jared McCann trade. Like, did the Leafs know Kerfoot was being taken? Have they maybe incentivized them with something, you know, a sweetener? It, it doesn't sound like officially they have, but, you know, we'll see what how this shakes down. But, you know, it's my expectation Kerfoot will be the pick. I think he makes a lot of sense. I think he's a good player. He's the right age. He signed for two seasons. He's got ties to the area. And, you know, he's unquestionably going to play for their team. I mean, you know, you go around the league. There's a lot of other teams you're not getting a player as good as Alex Kerfoot from. I guess that's the way, best way to put it. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of D to choose from, and, and so they're really their other choice would be Dermot. But, you know, I think they've, they've got their eyes set on other defensemen. And then I, I just don't see the Leafs trading for McCann and losing him. I think they, they must have known something before that deal went down Saturday with Pittsburgh. Okay, Th- this is where my mind went with it. I'm I'm a moron because when they made the McCann trade, I assumed that McCann was getting plucked or it was Dermot, and that the play was that they didn't want to have Dermot be lost for less than Hallander and a seventh round pick. Because why would you take a guy in Alex Kerfoot who's making three and a half million dollars when you covet cap space the way that you keep saying that you do, and he's got that extra year of term? And frankly, we have a pretty good sample of him in a protected role where he doesn't provide a lot of offense. And yes, good playoff series, new to penalty killing, but might not be a center, might actually be a winger. And the Dave Haxtell part of this, of him being now in Seattle and maybe having some input on the decision, like, okay, maybe he likes Kerfoot, but it is a surprise to me. So if there is a sweetener, great. But I have a pessimistic brain that doesn't just think, oh, Kerfoot's gone. Now I'm thinking, but what's wrong with McCann? (laughs) Because if McCann is a more offensive version of Kerfoot, and I know he hasn't scored in the playoffs, but he's a 600K cheaper a year, which isn't a staggering amount. It's not even a minimum player, but it's a something for a team that's cash-strapped. Um, scores more goals, can do the same role. Uh, I now feel like if there is no sweetener, I feel worse about McCann than I did you know, 24 hours ago. You're, you're built for your job, man. You're, you're looking yeah. for the next explosion everywhere. I love it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. know. There's I, just something. I, I, I do know that Seattle liked McCann. Like, I think if he didn't get traded from Pittsburgh, that was going to be their choice because yeah. he was going to be left yeah. exposed. Um, yeah. You know, the one thing that, that strikes me as a slightly different in terms of just viewing them as assets is, you know, McCann only has one year left on his deal. You have to give him a new contract next summer. Mm-hmm. He's a restricted free agent, but, you know, it's it's a little bit more complicated, whereas, you know, maybe Seattle's taking, looking at Alex Kerfoot and saying, okay, he's got two years left. We, at minimum, we'll, we'll start the season with him, see how it goes. If it goes really well, great. If not, we maybe we're trading him at the at the trade deadline as a pretty cost-effective option for teams, and you get two playoff runs with him. Or, or we keep him for a full season, and then we can flip him the next year. I mean, I, I think that what they have to do is try to get the most valuable assets from each team. It's not, again, not always just exclusively who's the best player. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and also, look, I, I think that you could probably have two scouts who have two different visions here. You know, Alex Kerfoot didn't get a lot of attention in Toronto because obviously there's some pretty big forwards around him. But, you know, if you look at his skill set, he skates so well. You know, that penalty killing tool is is useful. Like, he's a useful, useful player. And, yes, he's not a superstar game-breaker type, but he's not paid like one either. And so I think that 
I think that he's a really good asset in the right age range for a team like Seattle. And, you know, maybe, and look, I don't know that they're taking Kerfoot. Like, it's just my assumption because it lines up with what I've heard for a long time and what came out in that video. No, that video he, is real. That's a legit video. Like, that's done. Like, it's happening, right? Like, there's just well, no I even had someone right. who works for the, But I had someone who works for the Leafs send it to me yesterday and kind of make a joke about it. And then I said, well, are they taking him? And he's like, we don't know. And now, look, they might be lying. And this, and this was yesterday afternoon. I mean, maybe they know now. They haven't circled back on that. But, like, you know, I think that they're – I think Seattle definitely has, has conducted this process a little bit more uh, secretly than Vegas did. Like, there, there seems to be, at least as of last night, you know, now that the picks are in, it's going to be different. But you know, there's a little less info circulating on who they're going to pick specifically. Um, but, you know, I'm with you. I think it's Kerfoot. I don't think that there's a second shooter here. Uh, this is uh, – it unfortunately got leaked and, you know, gave everyone something to buzz about for, for the morning. Hmm. Someone just sent me a video. I haven't seen it yet, but apparently there is a video of them talking about Jared McCann too. So who knows? Maybe maybe we're all just doing a, a fool's errand here. Oh, so, man. Yeah, there is I, a I know. I, shooter. I, I got to hear the video. I, it's 42 seconds long. I just got tagged in it by a guy named Mark. And so, Mark, if this is right, then, you know, we're back. We're back to square one. Maybe this is all wrong. So I want to do some rapid fire with you here um, because I know you got to run. I don't want to keep you for too long. Um, Will we see any other moves from Dubas over the next couple of days? I don't know. I don't want to guess. Like I said, I don't have any solid info there. But, I look, I I think that they're going to be a pretty busy team. But, you know, they're they're value shopping, so to speak. Like, I don't see them as much as people want to connect them to some of the larger names in free agency. I'd be surprised if that's where they ended up. And so, yeah, by next Wednesday, they're going to be signing players, but it's probably guys signing $2 million contracts instead of $7 million contracts. Do you think there is a, out of a scale of 10 chance, 10 being the highest, the third line next season is all different players than it was this year to close the year? Ooh, I'd say 7 out of 10. Like, quite likely, but not 100%. Which means that they could end up trading Ilya Mikheyev and Pierre Engvall. But, I mean, look, those guys are, I don't know if they're trading them, I, but I, I don't think they're married to them, if that makes sense. Like, I think that, mm-hmm. you know, as they look to sort of, re, like, I mean, what the, at least have to get another left winger, it, it would seem to me. And, you know, obviously they've got to address the goaltending, and then it's then it's all about mostly remaking the bottom six in some way or, or giving themselves options there. And and so I don't think anything should be locked too deeply in stone other than the fact, you know, Jason Spezza is just going to keep going on the fourth line and, and producing Wayne Simmons obviously been signed for a similar type of role, but I think that there's some, some fluidity with the rest. Nick Foligno return likelihood, same scale, one to 10. Uh, three, not Oof. entirely impossible, but I, it doesn't seem likely. I mean, I, I think Nick Foligno is still at a point in his career where he's, you know, he wants a fair market value contract uh, as opposed to, you know, signing, you know, a Spezza-esque deal. Uh, you know, I think that, that that's probably something. So he, he might not fit in as well salary cap-wise uh, because he's he's not yet to giving you the absolute value just to, to chase a cup. And, and there is a desire, I think, to, to play with his brother Marcus in Minnesota. I know there's been talk about that at the trade deadline when, when he was traded. And, and, you know, now that he has the ability to control it, uh, I think that that's a more likely outcome than him returning to Toronto. Bogosian's going to test free agency. What's his market? And again, return to Toronto, 1-10. to 10. Very unlikely he's back. Um, you know, I, I think that he's going to have a market because he 
does know what he is, and he's you know he's signing another deal similar to the one he had at the end of his, the year in Tampa and the one he had last year at Toronto. Um, you know, I think we we see him end up stateside, and you know, as when you look at the right hand options, like this came up this morning, right? The Oilers are now losing Adam Larson. They thought they were going to sign him. Like there's, there's the, the downside of that if you're Edmonton is that there's just not a lot of obvious replacements that shoot right and play that that part of the, the blue line, and so. Zach Bogosian is one, you know, he's obviously not a player of Adam Larson's ability at this point in time, but he'll, he'll have value because there's just not a lot of people that do what he does. And I think he, he does pretty well in the third pairing role. Travis Dermott, third pairing defenseman, seventh defenseman trade chip. Third pairing defenseman with Rasmus Sandin. I think we'll see them start the year together next year. So five guys with left shots on the blue line again. All right. Like it's going to give Mike Babcock nightmares. I know. It's like, it's not watching Leafs games. When he's working with NBC, he's going to ask for those ones off if they ever air them over there. Um, Zach Hyman replacement. Name that you have heard most connected to the Leafs. Well, there's not going to be one replacement, man. Like, that's that's the thing I think we all have to embrace here. Like, Zach Hyman played just less than 20 minutes a night in all roles for the Leafs. Like, I'm not sure they're getting one player that does that. Um, You know, I, I think... The, all the options that have been out there are sort of consistent with what I've heard. You know, Taylor Hall is a left winger. Like, I, I think it's probably more likely he stays in Boston, but, you know, maybe he's an option for the Leafs in that spot. Uh, you know, the Tyler Bertuzzi rumors from a week or two ago that Elliot was fanning those flames pretty aggressively. Like, I, I think that the Leafs will be open-minded in how they approach that, and, and I think the key thing for all of us to, to really focus on is that it, it's not going to be one guy that we go like, yeah, he does what Zach Hyman used to do. I think that, that they'll redistribute those those responsibilities among the lineup differently. And, and you know, if they, if they do end up losing Kerfoot too, that's another penalty killer. And, and so, you know, it's not the most uh, sexy radio topic, but they're going to have to address their penalty killing in some way, shape, or form with, with whoever they bring in. Buddy, it is the sexy radio topic. This is Toronto. Depth Toronto pieces are the sexiest things that you. <laughs> Middle can talk of about July, yeah. like great weather, yeah. and we're sitting yeah. here like Don't wondering care. about the yeah. Leafs penalty Don't kill care. for a game not to be I played do. for two months. I 100% care more about what the Leafs penalty kill is going to look like than what the pool is going to look like in uh, 30 minutes or an hour and 30 minutes from now. Two more um, goalie market looks hot. Do the Leafs figure it out this week? Probably next week in free agency. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't see that happening. Wow, tough to say. I, I don't think it's as likely to happen by trade if it hasn't happened already. Although, obviously, things open up once you get through expansion because they can only protect one goalie and they protect the Jack Campbell. Um, you know, I think I think that you're going to see them get into free agency though because there's there's some players there, and you know, the goalie market in general is going to kick into high gear though once the freeze lifts tomorrow. Uh, because some teams probably have resisted making a move, um, knowing that they could only protect one guy. Last one. Where does Carey Price play next year? Seattle. Oh. I'm a conspiracy theorist on this one. I'm a conspiracy theorist. Hit me. Well, I just... I don't see him waving his no move, even for all the reasons that are quite plausible. Obviously, his health's uncertain. His contract's huge. All the things that you've spent three days talking about. But, like, I, I just I don't see that being the play and then Seattle passing on him. But we'll see. We'll, we'll see. I mean, I know there's some other people out there that are saying 100% the Kraken well. I, I don't know. I, I'm. This isn't based on information. It's more gut feel, and I think he's going to be a Kraken. Please be right, CJ. Please. 
I, I, I'll please be right. Let me play this off the top of the show tomorrow, and let me dance on the graves of Habs fans that love Carey Price. And let you know what this is. What's going to release me maybe from this lifelong torture of being with the Leafs is just all of a sudden getting to root for Carey Price and the Kraken. Like that's actually the that's the path. This is the path out. I can see the light. I can see the light, CJ. Unfortunately, please. I fear that you're going to play that clip off the top of the show tomorrow and then dance on my yeah. grave. So yeah. Oh no! Come on, you know I'd never look, do that. Look what an please. idiot this guy is that we just no. subjected to twenty minutes over, but. Listen, I, there's one promise I always make, not radioing you. Like, no radioing, and this is just fun. Like, I, you're an informed guy, and I hope people take that, where it's like, hey, this is an informed guy who's giving you his feel that's more informed than yours and I's, uh, and I, like, yours being the listener. So, yeah, take it with a grain of salt. These aren't hard Can reports. Can you imagine when hard reports, on Carey Price? Like, I, I think if you I'm pass thinking. on Carey Price, you're losers forever, and you've cursed your franchise, and you will never win. Like, that's just how I feel about it. Like, you have a chance to go out and get a guy who is in the same conversation as Sidney Crosby in terms of, like, respect around the league, and he can be the face of your franchise. Step in day one with your dressing room and make it feel like, hey, you know what? Winning matters here, and the, our front office cared about winning, and we go into a playoff series and feel like we have the best guy, and the chip-on-the-shoulder thing, and just... Dude, I've seen the photoshops of how Carey Price looks in those sweaters. I, it just looks perfect to me. It just looks right to me. So, yes, well, Seattle, from, you He's from this bullish, part of the losers. world. Like exactly. He, like, no, it's awful. If, if, there if, was ever to be awful. A, if there's ever to be a breakup for Montreal, just this, this sort of thing makes the most sense. Yes. I think it's the cleanest break. You just had this great run of the cup final. It's no one's mm. fault. This is where we're at. Time marches on. I don't know. I, I think it's, it's almost too perfect that it's hard for me to imagine yes. like, the Kraken Galaxy branding it. But let's see. Oh. Yes. Yes. Please, let's see. CJ, go uh, rip through all those notifications on your watch. Thanks for doing this, buddy. Okay, bud. We'll talk soon. See you, pal. Chris Johnson, NHL and Sportsnet. Please, please let Gary Price be a cracker. Honest to God, I just think it's interesting. I think it's the most fascinating thing that could happen, and I, it would generate discussion for weeks on end. And so guess what that means for old loner over here doing these shows solo that he likey. Me likey. I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to keep this train rolling. Going to keep talking, cracking. Going to keep mining the rumor mill or whatever. The rumor mine? I don't know. Ryan Clark, National NHL and Seattle Kraken reporter for The Athletic. He's going to join me next. J.D. Bunkus, good show. Sportsnet 59 to the fan. Man, I'm fired up. I love trade rumors. I love hockey rumors. And CJ just coming on and ripping all those, that rapid fire. Woo! Let's go. 8 o'clock tonight, all day stuck on Twitter. I got a family thing today. Um, I'm going to be the worst. Just sitting there on my phone, scrolling, getting updates, doing the uh-huh, to ants. Tough look for me. Ryan Clark, National NHL and Seattle Kraken reporter from The Athletic, a guy who is from Seattle, made his return there. He joins me now, probably feeling the same way, I imagine. Um, actually, I'm just kind of like it's an event, but here's the funny thing. I did not grow up in Seattle. So I, it's funny because everyone's like, well, you're from Seattle. And it's like, actually, no, home's a mix between South Florida, the East Coast, and Toronto. I covered the Washington Huskies. And before that, um, well, after that, excuse me, I covered the Colorado Avalanche. Yep. 
so the the thing was is just we were in Seattle. We loved it. We we said if there was always a chance to move back, we would do it. And, and that opportunity presented itself. But no, it's wild how many people think like, oh, you're from Seattle. It's like actually like no, I'm from the East Coast. But dude. <laughs> You know why, though? I remember reading your column when you left Colorado and how emotional it was and thinking, dude, this guy loves Seattle. How could you not take that away from him? And just thinking that is where he's got to go back. Like reading, I, I can remember there was a part in it that was like, you know, you, the times you got emotional and one of them being when you had to leave Seattle. So I just assumed that you were from there getting how emotional you were being there. Well, no, I mean, and that's, I think, the thing is, you know, people thought that. And, it, and it's strange because, like, I've moved more than 30 times in my life. That's why I say home's this weird mix between South Florida, East Coast, and Toronto, just because mm-hmm. South Florida, I was born in that area of the East Coast. My dad was military, spent a lot of time there, went to university yeah. there in Toronto. Like, I'm back there so much on, on holiday to where, like, it is the second home, and I pay more attention to what goes on there than anywhere. Like, in fact, I was at dinner with some friends, and we explained to one of them who's from the States how, like, yeah, the thing we do up there is we literally watch a, a news network just to look at the traffic channel. And he's like, you're kidding. And it's like, no, this is a thing. Um, <laughs> but to be serious, like, yeah, so we love Seattle. It was great. Um, and, yeah, we were just very fortunate to get back because it's a wonderful place. And it was hard for us to leave because we thought we were going to be here forever. And now it looks like we could be. So I'm a West Coast Canadian guy who spent a lot of trips moving down to Seattle. Um, I'm currently sitting next to a uh, pennant of Gary Payton, you know, uh, I grew up a huge Sonics fan. I grew up a huge Seahawks fan. I traveled to go watch the Huskies play. Uh, last time I was there, they lost the ducks, which was kind of an awful moment, but either way, I, I know, um, that area intimately when it comes to sports specifically. And my thing was always when people talked about expansion with hockey to Seattle was that, Nobody cared because everybody just wants the Sonics back. And that ultimately this is just some massive consolation prize. But I I don't know if that's actually true. If I actually have that read correct. No doubt that the Sonics coming back would be massive. It would be bigger for the area just because of the familiarity and the roots that are with it. But what what has been the development of just the embracing of hockey in Seattle over the past few months as this thing has started to actually crystallize? Well, the thing is, it was kind of a little bit of an interesting experiment because this wasn't like when the Golden Knights came to Vegas where then you could have these public events and three to 4,000 people could attend. Everything here has been yeah. done remotely, of course, because of the pandemic. But in the interim, and in the pockets when people would go out, you would see the Kraken logo on the back of someone's car and a bumper sticker or a decal, or you would see someone wearing hats uh, toques, uh, polos, t-shirts, hoodies, you name it. So, like, there was definitely a visible presence. But as time has gone along, you are hearing and seeing more people talk about it. And as far as the whole dynamic with the Sonics, it's interesting. I mean, if the Sonics came back, sure, yes, there would be a lot of people here who would be interested just because, I mean, Seattle is most definitely a basketball city. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, this is a place that sends athletes to to professional leagues from practically every sport. But, no, I mean, basketball is a big thing here. When I covered Husky basketball, you would go to games and you see former NBA players sitting in the crowd. And, again, it is a thing here. But at the same time, like, people are really excited about the idea of the Kraken. And, I mean, and you've seen it, whether it be with the 32,000 ticket deposits, um, the fact that, like, we talked to 
uh, people in the organization about where do things stand with <clears throat> the arena situation in the sense of tickets. And they're, they are feeling like really optimistic about just kind of how strong of a year this is going to be. I mean, there's even a wait list and even the wait list is nearly at full capacity because that's how excited people are. And so like you're, you're seeing it, but it's this too. Like the thought is it's like, as, as Todd Lightwicky, the CEO of the Kraken, has talked about, he's like, you know, look, we are happy to have hockey here. And, like, they would love to try to get basketball, i.e. the Sonics, back to Seattle. And that's why right now you have two ownership groups that are both interested in trying to make the NBA happen. But that said, this is taking up the winter professional sports calendar because beyond this, you had Husky basketball. And some people love college basketball. Some people don't. Whereas if the Kraken... This could be something that a lot of people look at and go, this fills a gap. Well, considering Husky basketball lately, I think that the Kraken will do just fine in terms of getting people's attention. Like, low bar to uh, jump over right now. So, um, one of the reasons why I was so devastated when the Sonics left was that it was just an injustice to an incredible sports city. So, I have no doubt that the Kraken are going to be a massive success. Like, you look at the Sounders and their fans, it's insane. The Seahawks have the best fans in all of football, like the most famous fans in all of football. The, the Kraken are going to be fine and dandy. That This is going to be a very popular event in the city, um, but it is an educated sports fan base. Like I, I think that they you've got every professional team there, or at least you have had it. Um, and I've been curious about what people think about the approach of this expansion draft, because it is a really fun exercise to go, okay, do you try to load up with as many good players as you possibly can and try to win this thing and go with a Vegas model? and say you're riding the line between the two things, or as Ron Francis seems to be have been putting it, hey, like let's really put a covet on cap space and let's really make sure that we can take advantage of these teams. And, you know, as Chris Johnson and I were just talking about, that maybe they're looking at it more for three to five years from now. Is this a fan base right now or the what that you understand, you know, through whether it be Twitter or the responses on your columns? What's your feel in terms of the pressure on this group to be very good right away? Well, when you hear ownership talk, the point that they've made is, look, this is going to be a team that can spin to the cap. But it also comes with the understanding that when you look at Ron Francis's history in Carolina, he was someone that he had to be really conscious of how he spent money. That's not necessarily the case here, but he's going to be, and that's something Ron Francis has even talked about. And so in the sense of how this team gets built, they've been pretty open about, like, is this a team that they want to have success off the bat? Sure. And even executives around the league have said, why would you pay $650 million to struggle right out of the gates? And also as others have, from previous expansion teams have remarked, hey, this is a bit of a different animal compared to the 90s and 2000s where these teams took time to get off the ground. Whereas if you look at the success Vegas had, like the success that Vegas had, if you're the league, it's like, okay, why not replicate this again? Because like you want to get people interested. You want to get people in the doors. You want to see success off the bat. And also you want to see revenue off the bat as well. And when you look at what the Kraken are doing, like there's a chance for them to do both. Because again, like, yes, it's that need to where this could be a playoff team in year one, but it's like, how do you look at year two, year three, year four, year five, even on, even beyond. And the thing that's been said a lot um, is this, like when you look back at what Francis did with the Carolina Hurricanes, of the 33 draft picks taken under his watch, 27, if they're not within the Hurricanes organization, they've signed with another NHL organization. That's a really high success rate. 
And it's something that if they feel they can replicate here in Seattle, along with making some free agent moves that are going to work for them, they feel like this can be something that can be sustainable both in the short and in the long term. But in order for them to do that, it's about being smart with money because everybody talks about their financial edge. Like, this is how you do that. Like, you make those moves that you feel are the best for you, but also it's like if you're going to spend beyond a certain limit, it's the justification of it, which, again, that's always been Ron Francis's M.O. That's backed up by who his front office has been constructed with, alongside Ricky Olchek and Jason Botterill. And it's even more amplified by the fact that you have an analytics team that there's, it's a five-person analytics team, and they think and discuss all these things all the time. So do you think that – where do you think Carey Price falls under that? It's an interesting discussion. And as for what happens, who knows? And because it, 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 it's, it's an argument to be made either way because on one hand, you do have a goaltender, and not just a goaltender – but one of the best goaltenders the league has had in the last 15 to 20 years. You have that sort of Mark andre Fleury figure that people have wondered, you know, who would that be for the Kraken? And maybe it could be him. He is coming off this postseason run where people are like, man, the Canadians can build around that and, and, and improve in a few areas, and he continues playing this way. Maybe this could be a problem. But on the flip side of that, when you look at the number of $10.5 million a year, it took this year with Montreal to be that team where you have someone making that kind of money for them to go to the playoffs. And that is a market where no one needs to hear that again, where it's like, hey, do you want so much of your cap tied into you know, two, three, four players? Because that makes it harder to improve your team. But also when you look at the age component, Carey Price turns 34 in August. When that contract ends, he'll be 38 going on 39. You look at the NHL this season. There are two goaltenders who are 38 and older that played or started more than 20 games this year. That was Pekka Rinna, who was 10, 12, and 1, and Mike Smith, who was a 21-game winner. And when you think about the fact that was only two of them, and the gulf between those two in terms of statistics and performance was so wide, it's a lot of things to consider if you're the Kraken. Yeah, I say take them. I say let Seattle fans enjoy arguably the best goaltender on the planet. Uh, I mean, he's not Vasilevsky, but even still, pretty damn close. Pretty damn close. Um, Ryan, this was great. Uh, just just tell people from Seattle. Just lie. Just tell I'm sure it's, it's fine. Like You can embrace it now. Now that you're there, now that you're the Kraken reporter, you got the UW passport stamps, I think you're good to go. Uh, you know, the way I look at it is just we're, just, we're really happy to be back. Um, yeah. And, no, it's just it's been interesting just to kind of see it because I'll say it's where we run. Like, when you're covering the Huskies, like, you see what this town can be when there's a little bit of momentum. You see it with the Seahawks. You see it with the Mariners, the Sounders, the Storm, the Rain. Um, and so to see what it's going to be like with hockey is going to be just – it's going to be really, really fascinating. Can't wait. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see what happens tonight. Ryan Clark, National NHL and Seattle Kraken reporter from The Athletic. Thanks for making time, man. Hey, no worries. Thanks for having me. See you. Again, take Carey Price. Not just for me. For all of hockey. Makes the league so much more interesting if he's there.
Now I'm playing conspiracy theory like CJ because that post went around and it was Carrie Price's wife saying things will all make sense, right? Maybe the things that will all make sense are Carrie wanted to go. They want a new chapter. They were ready for a new chapter. I read that as things will all make sense. We got a side deal. They're going to make sure that we give something extra so that we stay here and that's the side deal. Maybe not. Either way, that's the thing you got to protect till 8 o'clock tonight. That's the thing you cannot have leak out. If you're Seattle, you're Sportsnet, you're anybody with a television stake in this thing, don't let the Carey Price thing get out. you got to have it for 8 o'clock. I, Ryan just outlined part of the reason why you do take Carey, though. He might not finish his career there. Like, I, he might not finish his career with that contract. There's a track record of guys with those deals getting up in age and getting put on LTIR. And if you're Seattle and you just bought this new franchise and you're going to rack up some money and you're going to rack up some wins early on in this thing, I don't know if paying him on the LTIR is going to be that big of a problem. Or you could end up finding a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs where they want to get out from a bad deal. Who knows? They'll be willing to eat the money. And again, Carey Price's salary, actually, this is all irrelevant because his salary is already mostly paid. He's like a $2 million deal a, guy, a year guy. So financially, the commitment is not that big. To me, it's just this is a risk-reward situation where what's the risk? Some salary cap space that you might be able to bury or might be able to trade and eat some of it? Who cares? You're not the Montreal Canadiens. You don't have... Shea Weber on the books. You don't have other contracts. You don't have Josh Anderson on the books. I'm not saying that's a bad contract, but it's certainly not a cap-friendly one. You're not in a scenario where you're desperate to get rid of a deal like that. And even Montreal knows that if they keep Carey Price, that it's not the worst thing to have a guy in a playoff series that gives your team the confidence of, we're going to win because he is there. That's the element of the goalie that not enough people talk about and is what will be lost in time to carry Price. But for those of us that watched him in those moments, we'll probably think about even before potentially never having a Stanley Cup. Is that all the stuff we talk about when it's, hey, the team plays a little bit taller because there's a tough guy on the ice. Eh... I think the team plays a little bit bigger when they have Carey Price. And they know that if somebody makes a mistake, Carey Price is going to be there. And that when things are not going the best, Carey Price is there. There's not too many guys with auras in the NHL. He's one of them. If you can get an aura guy who cares about cap space in... 2024. And I don't care if someone plays this at some point when they're cash strapped or whatever, they're trying to make a contract with the player. Worry about that then. For right now, when you walk into that arena and you know that you're paying to see Carey Price right away and you have a team that immediately establishes a Carey Price culture, I don't think you can pass on that. And again, I think if you do, you're losers like the Leafs. I just can't imagine it. I can't imagine saying that we want Dreger and his whatever. How many games did that guy play with Florida this year? 15? 
less. You're going to say we're going out and getting this guy and we want to make sure that we've got this guy because cap space over carry freaking price. Please, please, please tell me you can't be serious. Tell me you cannot be serious. And again, I actually, I know that uh, I'll tease my Canadians fans, friends, and Maria Sedobay and whoever about it. But ultimately, I think it's a win-win for both teams. For Montreal, it actually is the right time to move on. You went on this run. It was incredible. But the likelihood of you being able to replicate it next season seems a bit far-fetched. And I don't see how you ever get out from the Shea Weber contract, unless he goes LTIR. But both guys seemingly hit their... um, hit their max value for your franchise in that last playoff run. Now? Hmm. Looks like you got some cool young pieces. Some awesome players in Suzuki and Caulfield. And I'm not as sold on Kakinyemi as some are, but uh, maybe he's a thing. Romanov. Pivot. It's time to pivot. It's Montreal. They'll find another goalie. He'll never be a Carey Price, but you'll find somebody else. And they'll embrace him in that city like they have countless goalies before him. So hope it works out. Really, really, really hope it works out. And until then, um, God, it's going to be fun today. This is a fun day. Rumors all around. And again, maybe Kerfoot's not the guy if you're a Leafs fan. I'm going to talk more about it with Mark Mathot. So the Alex Kerfoot leaked fish video was a lie. We all fell for it, except for me, who did say there was no way that Seattle was going to take Kerfoot over McCann, and that maybe they shot multiple of those videos. Just saying. I did waver, but those things were said. So, I'm disappointed that the Leafs lost McCann, because I would have rather the Leafs had kept him at 600 k less, and less term. I don't think Kerfoot's a good fit for this roster, but it feels good to be right. I like being right. Um, our next guest was a part of the last expansion draft. Um, All-around great guy. Even better guy now that I follow him on Instagram. Um, I'm down in the Ottawa Valley right now. You like to list the metal and shoot guns, and I feel like we could, we, we'd get along just fine. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Was that, was that my intro? Hey, was that my, my cue to jump in? That's, that's your cue to jump in. It's Mark Mathot, <laughs> former NHL defenseman. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I'm going to wait for the the Leafs thing and get your thoughts on it before just like what was it like when the team is exposing you what's this process like the the feeling of getting exposed and then you had a weird one where you're flipped right away to the stars you don't stay with Vegas I don't know how much of that was like within your control or what you knew about it or what the communication is but you're just like protection lists and bouncing around and just what your perspective was at the time yeah it was tough I mean I think I think what made it really hard and it was compounded, obviously there's a million different variables going on. And, you know, I think for me, in my case, being uh, a local here in Ottawa, so I happen to be playing here, of course, and, and being from the city and then just going on that long run that we were on and, 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 you know, game seven in the Eastern conference finals a couple of years ago now, which was 2017. And then of course, you know, a month later or whatever it is, the draft is there and I'm dealing with chatter regarding that all the way up until then. And I had a really good, I, had a, I should say I had a pretty good idea that I was going to get selected just based off the, and where I was kind of sitting and being unprotected and, and looking around the NHL and seeing what the other teams had to offer. So I had a pretty good, pretty good inkling there. 
And so leading up, yeah, it's very stressful, you know, because you're going to get uprooted and you know it's inevitable that you're going to get picked and team where they've been for five years. Um, and, and, of course, you develop all kinds of bonds with players and, and close relationships. That's torn away from you. And then, um, you know, one thing leads to another. The process happens. It's all done on TV, uh, big production. So there's just there's a lot of play in the, the close-up shots of our general manager, Pierre Dorian, at the time. And then, of course, Eric Carlson, who was up for the Norris. Um, you know, he's laughing and taking his phone out and videotaping the camera that's videotaping him. So there's a lot going on. But I was stressed just because I think for the most part – when I was finally selected, I knew based off the conversation that I had had with McCrimmon, who was the assistant general manager there, he asked me almost immediately for my 10-team no trade. That usually kind of gave me a really good idea where I stood and that I wasn't going to be a part of that team moving forward. So I think for me that was kind of a bummer because here I am in, in, in hockey purgatory, no idea where I'm going next. And then, of course, about a week after the draft, I ended up in Dallas. And that, that was sort of the silver lining in the whole thing. Yeah. It is just, it's a wild process right now. Now we're starting to get the guys that are going, starting to file in, right? All the leaks are happening. So by the time we watch this on TV tonight, um, yeah, not sure. It'll be great. It's on Sportsnet. Tune in. You got to watch it. You got to watch the guys that are going to places that we all know the guys. Uh, You want to see what they look like in the jerseys. Like, that's cool. I get to see the jerseys, get to see all the Seattle celebrities. It'll be cool. It'll be fine. Right, right. right. But, but, okay, so I saw you. I saw you talking yesterday about this on Twitter, and I agreed with your take because it was the right take that Seattle's taking Dreger. So, okay, fine, that's all right, but he yeah. played some like less than 15 games last year, and yeah. he might be good, but he also didn't, like... <laughs> he didn't stop the Tampa Bay Lightning, let's just say. like, And I know it's the Lightning, no. whatever, but it wasn't as though he stepped into that series and we went, oh, look at this playoff legend. They take no. a guy named Vancheck from Washington and your boy Joey Decord... Um, instead of Carey Price. Carey Price was available, and, I, okay, contract and blah, 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 blah. I feel like they're never going to win, that they're losing forever. I've already staked this claim. You take those three goalies <laughs> over Carey Price, like your, your franchise has already said who you are, and that's losers forever. Like, welcome to Toronto, and, like, now have a, uh, a sister franchise that can lose with us till the end of time because there's just no way that this, the hockey gods are going to be cool with this. This is horrible. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, what do you, it's hard because for my initial, you know, instinct, of course, as you mentioned, I, 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 I just, I just assume they would grab him, right? Because arguably, what top three goaltending goaltender in the world, probably based yes. off his play, at least in the postseason. But then, you know, conveniently, there's that floated rumor out there. I don't even know if it was a rumor, but there was a statement going around that he had a bad knee or hip or whatever it was. So. I mean, I didn't know what to think. So it puts Francis and Ron Francis in a very difficult position. I mean, I think if you're trying to pick a team, the last thing you want to do is commit to a $10.5 million goaltender who can't play for you. So I, I do understand that to a degree. But, I mean, we're talking about a marquee player here. Who relative, I mean, and these guys have access to all the medical records, so I'm sure they did their due diligence and made sure. But I just to, to your original point there about Drager, I just don't see it. Like, I don't see that being a number one goaltender. And, I mean, I, I hope I'm proven wrong because I always like seeing players prove other people wrong, all the pundits wrong. And, and I think, for me, based off of that small sample size of games that he's had in Florida, I just 
I can't picture him leading the charge on that back end between the pipes. I just don't see him as a true number one. But again, that's just my opinion. I haven't been following him super closely, but I did have an opportunity to play with him when he was in Ottawa as a, a third goaltender when we had him up occasionally. So he was very young at that time, so it's probably a fair, an unfair assessment for me to assume the worst, but I, I just don't see it. I just, um, I just spent a bunch of time with our last guest talking about how there are so many people that try to act like sports, like stories don't matter or that it's just about cap stuff and analytics. And so cap of Carey Price and analytics of Carey Price in the regular season and projecting his career forward and all these other things, blah, blah, blah. Um, That's just not who I am as a sports fan. It's not the reason why I fell in love with sports and it is not the reason why I want to watch them. And so um, like, Outside of taking Yanni Gord for Seattle, um, who that looks like they're going to take, I just think it's so lame that you wouldn't want to go with Carey Price. I just do. I'm sorry. I just think it's so lame that you would have an opportunity to take an all-time great. I said, like, let me just ask you this question. I said there's only two guys in the game with aura like that of Sidney Crosby and Carey Price, that there's two guys with the level of respect around all of hockey where it's just universal and people feel like, yeah. oh, we are going to win this game because we have one of those two guys on our team. You could have got one of those two guys. And, like, maybe he doesn't end up finishing his career with you. Like, who knows? But the idea right. that you're focusing more on being the cap space team, I just, ugh, it's so boring to me. I just, I hate the Kraken. I, I, I hate him. I hate this team. <laughs> you're not even giving them a chance. But, no, listen, no. I, I, I understand the animosity to a degree. I, I get it. And, and, and with Carey Price, back to him for just a second, I, you're right. He, he carries – he kind of carries a, a bit of that aura. That's how you want to – you know, whatever you want to call it. He's highly respected. He's, um, he's almost kind of quiet, right? Like he lets his play dictate, you know, his, his own persona. Like he's not a kind of guy who's – that outspoken in social media. He's not a, a very gregarious individual off the ice or, or that outspoken. He's very quiet. And I think that adds a little bit of a mystique to him. But um, again, if, if I'm Seattle a week ago, I for sure would have probably gone with Carey Price, but that injury news, that's the only thing that I'll give Seattle in this situation is, do you really want to risk that contract for the next, what is it? Five years, I think, or whatever it is. Like I, I just, for me, that's a huge roll of the dice on a brand new franchise. I just, I, I, I don't know what better alternative you've ha- you'd have. I mean, but for me, I, I don't know that I would touch that with that pending injury. It's just too risky. Well, the guy they got from the Capitals and Dreger have played something like a combined um, less than a season of Carey Price. There's no experience. Like, I know. I know. Yeah, it's just like you better be good. Because I just think, again, like one of the cool things about Vegas, and I know that it makes the bar so much more difficult because normally with an expansion franchise, you just expect them to suck forever. And um, we like we had the Panthers example when I was a kid and that was something. But the Vegas did change it. And I know that there's a prudent element, of course, like I'm not a complete idiot. I follow sports. I do this for a living. I get that having cap space and the ability to move on take on bad money, acquire draft picks, acquire prospects that you could end up, and it's the NHL, right? Like you can end up winning. You can go from being the worst team to uh, like, look what the Habs just did. They went from being a team that wasn't in the playoffs the year before, got in because of weird circumstances. And then is in the Stanley cup. But part of the reason they were in a Stanley cup is because they got the goaltender. And part of what I think is cool about Vegas or was 
cool about Vegas is that they went out and got Marc-Andre Fleury, and what that signified to the rest of the group was, we're not just going to be losers. We have a guy yeah. that we think is we're trying to win for. And now I'm looking at it and saying, are, are you trying to win for Yanni Gord, who's coming off of two Stanley Cup champions? Like, I, I don't know who that guy is that lo- you're looking around this dressing room so far and saying, wow, there's actually you know some urgency with this group or there could be some permanence with this group. Like, that's the other part of it, right? You're on an expansion yeah. team where you dealt with some of it, where there's flipping and there's moving off of things and there's trying to find a formula and you're being used as a way station. You show yeah. up and carry prices there. You feel like you could stay there. You could feel like you're setting up roots there. You could feel like you're investing there. And I don't know. I just feel like a lot of this is being missed in these decisions because of uh, maybe a guy gets put on LTIR and you got to pay him two million bucks in a couple of years. Like, dumb. Yeah. Yeah. And that's tough. But I think from like, so speaking from a player's point of view, I love mm. the point you just made because as a player, a lot of that confidence, that team confidence that you're looking for, and we saw you, you prime example with Montreal, or rather, you look at the top four teams at least that finished there. I mean, you have to have stellar goaltending no matter how you slice it. It's the most critical, important position on any team in hockey. It's, it's you know, you could have an incredibly deep group of forwards that can score a ton of goals, pretty good defensemen, but if you've got a, if you've got a guy back there letting in a soft goal or two every other night, you're going to be in trouble. So you're right. I, I, I just, I'm for me, from my point of view, not having that behind you for that confidence boost for the team probably kind of sends the wrong message to a degree. I just don't know what other options they had. I know we keep kind of harping on this carry price situation and I hate beating down on the dead horse with it, but I know I just, I just, I, I agree though. I mean, if, unless you have that marquee guy back there that, that, that can bring, you know, that team forward and steal the odd game and make those big saves. I mean, you're going to get pretty demoralized very quickly throughout that year. And it could be a very long season, right? I mean, if you have a goaltending issue to me, that is like the alarm bell that's going off on every play in every player's mind as the games are progressing. And I mean, if I'm going into camp or going into a game and I know I have a, an, 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 I guess a a, a goaltender behind me that's lacking a ton of confidence, that's going to trickle down into the rest of the group. So that can affect your dynamic huge. And that's something that, again, I don't really fault Seattle for it only because I don't know what other options they had. You had some other older established goals in the league, but too, like guys like Jonathan Quick, I mean, you don't know what you're going to get out of these players. So mm-hmm. you're going to do your homework as best you can. Dreger projection-wise, looks like he's on a fairly good course, but it's sure. very unstable and it's not certain. Like we don't know that that's going to happen at all. The season could start up right now. And he could struggle mightily. We just don't know until camp starts. Yeah, and I, this isn't meant to be like shot at Dreger or these other guys. It's just more of a stand of, hey, yeah. um, I think you take Carey Price. And that it ultimately is an entertainment product. And just when we look at all the different layers of this, right, if I'm a fan in Seattle, getting to show, you know, go to a game with your kid and bring them to go see Carey Price and then potentially have a playoff moment in year one and what that's right. going to do in terms of setting you up in a competitive market where sports ticket prices are going up and you're in a city yeah. where there's every other sport. Like, okay, so I get to go see Mark Giordano, who's 37 years old. Like, that's the face of your franchise right now. That's who you're going like, to roll but, out. And okay. I love Gio. Like, he's a great player, but it's just um, – it's, it's not as awesome as seeing – 
Carey Price's face in a Kraken mask as you're walking into that's that fair. new arena. Like, and, and I just, I think that's lost on it a little bit too, where people look at this thing on Twitter and they look at it through, well, I'm a general manager. It's like, no, you're not. You're just some Twitter nerd like me. And we should all just realize that people are going to these games, trying to watch these games. There's players that are in right. them. And from everything outside of the elements that you should probably care the least about, um, this is kind of a lame pick. So what did you think yeah. about the Kerfoot thing? Because there's this leak, I don't know if you saw it, that... Uh, Seattle picked Kerfoot, and we all assumed that it was, and that all of a sudden Dubas is a genius because he trades for McCann and he gets off a contract, and all of a sudden Kerfoot stays. And it looks like he protected a, a team that was the most disappointing team in my life, and I've seen nothing but them lose. Like I've seen them not win a playoff series since I was in high school. I'm in my almost like I'm in my mid 30s now. Uh, it sucks. It sucks so bad. I, I, I don't know what to make of this. Like I, this feels bad, uh, but I don't know if I'm just too close to it. How do you feel about this? I don't, so I don't know anything about McCann. Like, I don't know a whole lot, but I know Kurt. And I, yeah. it's took me a little before I came on. You mentioned something that you thought currently on the, did you say that about the Toronto Maple Leafs? How, what, sorry, you broke up a little bit. You're, Oh, and I was saying earlier before I came on, you had mentioned that you guys didn't really see Kerfoot fitting into the lineup right now in Toronto. Was that, am I yeah, mistaken? Yeah, he doesn't because yeah, just I just at his at his salary at three and a half million dollars. If yeah. you're gonna stay, okay. if you're gonna stand pat with the four guys and you're not gonna move off of any of them, like you're gonna lose Zach Hyman, you're gonna lose Nick Foligno from your playoff roster last year. I, my question is just simply, how do you think you're gonna get better by losing those two guys and standing pat essentially, and and getting a different goaltender to replace Freddie Anderson, who's good? I don't like. I don't know that it's that doomy and gloomy right now in Toronto. I know you Good. Um, are passionate, which is great, of course. I, first of all, I like Kerfoot. I think he's a good player. Uh, some of these guys around the NHL, and it's they're they're victims to their deals, right? It may not be re- like he might be on a deal where you're not happy. Like, well, he's only got I don't know how many I don't know how many goals he had last year. Was it eight or nine? Um, you know, he can be. He's just a victim to a big deal right now, and and I I, I do think that he is a player that belongs and, and can really take a good leap forward here um, over the next season or two. I just, if I'm Toronto right now, I'm not really all that concerned. I mean, we can't lose sight of the fact that you friggin' finished first in the North uh, last season. And of course, now I, I know that it, the, the issue in the monkey on the back is the whole playoff getting into that first round. <laughs> but I, for me, it's very simple. I don't know that you want to tweak too much. Of course, Dubas is going to have to make a couple goaltending to me is probably the biggest one. I know Campbell played well, but it's a similar situation to Dreger in that you're not getting a huge sample size, but I guess you'll never really know unless you give them an opportunity. But we'll see. I mean, when you're in a win now mode, the way Toronto Maple Leafs are in, I don't know that you want to take those risks. And so you're going to have to make some big decisions here and free agencies around the corner. I don't even know who's available on that back end to get or to pick to go up after, or maybe there's a hockey trade available somewhere. But for me, you can't really look at this too negatively. I mean, you lose your captain to an injury right away. That set the tone in my opinion in that series and that affected the group. And then of course you've got some other players in there that played really well. I mean, if the top line is the one that kind of shows up and doesn't really provide any offense, the way that happened in that, in that playoff round, I mean, for me, at least you're getting really good production out of the rest of that lineup. So I think it's a mental thing where, you know, these guys are going to be hyper motivated going into next season with a chip on their shoulder. 
you got to think they're going to be out for blood and that they're going to want to perform at the highest level possible and prove everybody wrong. That's a powerful thing when you're a hockey player or an athlete for that matter, when people are doubting you. And you can go out there and you have an opportunity to prove all those people wrong. To me, at least from my experiences playing, that is like the ultimate motivation. So I would say, you know, hold the line. Everything's going to be just fine in Toronto. You know, (laughs) they're a really good hockey club. A couple tweaks might get them over that hump and get them to make some more noise in that postseason. Mark Mathot, thanks for making time for me, man. Take care, buddy. Anytime. Anytime for the good old Ottawa Valley boys. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Down here in Armprior. Um, I ran way too long. Lance is going to kill me. Talk to you tomorrow.